Hello, Playdate. Thank you for joining us on this episode one. My name is Don. My name is Nick. And we have a special guest on our inaugural episode. With us today is Ryan Claytor. My name is Ryan Claytor. And we are just, uh, we're just fans of Playdate. So we wanted to talk about the seasonal games and we want to talk about some of our favorite indies. We are longtime podcast. All of us are longtime podcasters, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of solo shows, but I also did the pinball podcast for several years and just wrapped up doing gaming on 10 with Nick and Nick. What, uh, what, what gaming background do you have? <laughs> I, uh, make games, pinball games, uh, primarily, but, uh, I also, uh, am a longtime podcaster. I did for amusement only the EM and bingo pinball podcast, uh, which, is in the running at least for the longest podcast name. Um, that is still technically active. We record, uh, about once a year now. <laughs> so oh, that might, uh, pick up with the, uh, conclusion of gaming on 10, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, for the past uh, three years, I think Don and I have done a weekly podcast and, uh, we wanted to transition to something new and talk about our new favorite, um, handheld in the play date. And speaking of handhelds, yes. our special guest has some background with handhelds and podcasting. Ryan, well, hey. why don't you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, hi, my name is Ryan Glader, and uh, believe it or not, I have done some podcasts before. Um, I did a limited run series called Game and Cast Podcast, and on there I talked about dedicated handheld retro games, so uh, pretty much between the... uh, mid to late 70s to about mid 80s where handheld games were dedicated there was no cartridges uh, to input and output (laughs) and uh, so I did eight eight episodes of that where I interviewed different folks within that uh, community and also reviewed a number of those games and I've also done a number of podcasts like uh, the Michigan State University Comic Art and Graphic Novel Podcast, where I teach. I also have a Patreon, and I only mention that because I do a Patreon podcast there. And I'm about to uh, publish my 11th episode in a couple of weeks here. So uh, I've done a, a number of podcasting things and also was on radio when I was in college. So lots of audio things. Lots of gaming and audio background from, from all of us. Lots of handheld gaming too, and then we're just uh, we're just excited about this little yellow console. Yeah, glad to be in on the ground floor here. Well, the reason Ryan is here is not because of his extensive gaming and handheld gaming and podcasting background, but rather his very exciting high scores on Whitewater Wipeout. <laughs> we're leading with that, huh? <laughs> we're leading with Whitewater Wipeout. So this week we're going to discuss the first two games in the season one, uh, week one bundle i guess delivery mm-hmm. service so we're going to start with whitewater wipeout and uh ryan what what is your your global score right now your top global score um it's 350 something thousand it was uh it was 35th on the leaderboard for a minute and i think i got bumped down a couple i just checked today it was like 37th something like that so i can still say i'm in the top 40 um we'll see what i can do to inch up a little bit beat all those 13 year olds out there (laughs) that is amazing so whitewater wipeout is by chuhai labs Uh, did you are you guys familiar with the other games that chuhai has made i'm not 
So I've actually, I actually own one of their other games, a game hmm. called Carve Snowboarding, which is on the Oculus Quest. Hmm. It's a, a pretty simple to play snowboarding game. You just you keep, put your arms in front of you and behind you, and that's sort of the where you would balance on the snowboard, and you go along a snowy hill, and then you move your arms out and out to balance yourself, and you collect stuff as, as you go down. And is it as addi- addictive as Whitewater Wipeout? It's uh, it's very, very different than Whitewater Wipeout. Um, I, just real quick, they have a game called Halloween Forever on the Switch. They have a game called Tinker Trains coming soon. And then you probably, Nick at least, has probably heard of Curse to Golf. I think that was I on have, a Nintendo Direct. It is a golfing roguelike. Ooh. It looks similar to uh, maybe like a golf blitz where there's different power-ups you do with a side-scrolling uh, or 2d golf game but if you don't sink the ball your ghost gets sucked back into purgatory and you start over so and, and you upgrade your your cards and whatnot in roguelike fashion to try and stop being cursed to golf over and over so i can't wait to play that it's what's going on this year <laughs> golf with but, consequences <laughs> yes but we're talking we're not talking about the other two high games we're talking about whitewater wipeout um so Ryan really took this one. Nick, what are your initial thoughts about Whitewater Wipeout? I'll start with you I and I, to, maybe, because we're I the, can't wait uh, to hear this. the rookies. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was excited to try this game because it, uh, at first glance, reminded me of like uh, TNC Surf Designs and um, mm-hmm. uh, there's another, any, oh, California Games. Um, there's, there's definitely some DNA that's... Uh, from from those older uh, surfing mini games in in those two different collections, so um, I, I thought it was an interesting concept uh, for the playdate. Um, however, my high score falls woefully short <laughs> of Ryan's and woefully short of your own, Don. So um, I, I don't think I I quite grasp the mechanics as well as uh, either of you. Um, how about you, Don? I feel like you and I are probably in the same ballpark. I feel like you, you got to be right behind me. I feel like I looked into my 3000 point <laughs> scores. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually listened to the first episode or the first two episodes of the play date podcast, the official panic play date podcast. And the second episode is about whitewater wipeout. They interviewed the devs and they mm-hmm. uh, mentioned how it is an homage to California games. But the, what was the TNC game you mentioned? TNC Surf Designs. It was an NES yeah. game. That's the one I played on NES back in the day. So that's this is the one I remember, or, or uh, it being inspired by. It, it came up in my mind, and I like that it used the crank right away. So I got to mess around mm-hmm. with that. This is the one out of the box where you're really feeling the crank. I think it only uses the crank, right? Besides menu controls, going back and forth. Uh, there are some other play mechanics that it tells you to do. If you pay attention to the tips at the end, it gives you a number of instructions. And one of them is to press the left and right direction pad in order to spin faster. Mm. I press it, but I've not noticed it spin faster or slower, to be honest with you. Uh, and then it also, I just saw today after playing for my you know thousandth time, it said to press <laughs> up on the directional pad to... It was like to, to get better air or something like that. Um, I found it difficult to hold down the up button and also really give that 
crank a good crank. <laughs> it started falling yeah. out of my hand. Um, so I don't know if I have not done it right yet. Maybe if I continue doing that, I'll be able to hit those quintuples right now. I max out at the quads. Quad sounds unreachable. Totally unreachable. <laughs> I got a triple once. I'm, I'm yeah, happy to chat strategy whenever you guys are ready. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that here in a sec. Uh, I did notice Ryan had a really good tip where um, basically for those who haven't watched video, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to a YouTube video. But uh, all you're doing is aiming the surfboard down a wave and then you use the crank to turn the surfboard and you go back up the wave and try and ramp off and up and down, up and down. Uh, just get more air. And when you're in the air, you turn the crank to spin. So Ryan had noted something that I did not notice where the orientation of the crank is basically the orientation of the board. So when the crank is down, your board is nose down when the crank is up. But Ryan, one time when I was playing, the crank was opposite. Same for me, actually. So when that happens, you need to reset the crank. So at the end of the game, put the crank back in the play date and then it will reset itself and then start another game and then it understands oh okay the crank is here but yeah i i agree that's happened to me before but had to do a little hard crank reset there's a home position yeah you know how you can stuff it inside the play date right yeah i don't stuff it in there very often i guess i I don't carry it in my pocket very often i just traveled with it today my my son had a doctor's appointment so i jammed it in my pocket and it was (laughs) it was really helpful to have it you know staged in place and knowing that it wasn't going to flop around all over the place. It's, it's a really cool design. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I did notice one other tip when you were talking about the up and down, I'm not really sure how to gain speed. It tells you to go up to gain speed. I just notice eventually I gain speed. I, I don't know how to immediately gain speed, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as the comboing thing, it seems like if I hit the top of the wave and then immediately try and jump again, like to skip off the top of the wave, that seems to be a way to combo, but I don't have a good rhythm to it. And it feels like maybe there's a rhythm you want to meet. Sure. So that's another tip that it tells you. Maybe after your 550th play, it'll say, uh, move your surfer up and down the wave. So sort of ride that wave up and down and up and down. And you start gaining speed like that. And then you can up and down, up and down, up and down, whoosh up the wave. And then you really rock it up into the air. The other thing that really helps you get speed, but also maintain speed is how you land your surfboard back into the wave. So the more like parallel your board is to the top of the wave, the more you just kind of like clunk down on top of the wave, but the more perpendicular your board is to the top of the wave, the more you just like whoosh back down into the wave. And then you can carry that momentum back up into the next, uh, whatever you happen to be doing, either riding the wave or shooting off the top of the wave or some combination thereof. So is there like a timer between combos then? Like it gives you a second? No, it's uh, combos are present as long as you keep hitting double 360s or more. So if you hit a double 360 and then you're just like riding the wave up and down, up and down, up and down, but not leaving the wave, the combo is still going to stay there. It never leaves. Hmm. The only time the combo leaves is if you do not do at least a double 360. So if you do a single 360 or just like, you know, shoot the board up and then do a, what would that be? a 180 i guess uh not do a spin then um it takes your combo away and you have to build it back up again 
Well, a 180, you would bail, I think, right? Yeah. So a 180, if you imagine your nose going up in the air, and then you turn half a circle and come oh, down yeah, yeah. and meet the wave. Oh, That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is what I'm imagining. Yeah. A zero you don't go would be backwards up, up the wave. Down. That's a. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you don't go backwards up the wave. That seems to be what I'm <laughs> capable of doing. It's, it, Nick is is winding backwards to try and make the wave go down. <laughs> you know, I've, I've actually started trying to experiment with that. I'm so used to cranking the crank into one particular direction mm-hmm. that I'm like, hmm, I wonder if you can do it like. I guess that would be counterclockwise mm-hmm. and you right. actually can. It's, it's a strange sensation for me. I just started experimenting with it and I don't think that it has any bearing on score. Uh, but I, I can't swear to that yet. I haven't, I haven't played with it too awfully much. We need to do a listener poll on if you're uh, a clockwise or a counterclockwise. <laughs> I'm, I'm goofy. I, I go both ways. I've noticed I've caught myself going either way, depending on the you game. like you like red wine and white wine and rose. Is that right? I, mm, I don't like any of that stuff, but yeah, <laughs> a Coke and a Pepsi guy, I guess. I don't know. I guess uh, I'm the, the only Shit's Creek fan here. <laughs> gotta, I've got a I've got a out. question for you all. Um, are either of you left handed? I am not. I'm correct handed. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm just curious, uh, what a left-handed user might, uh, think of the crank because it's very heavily mm. weighted towards a right-handers orientation. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Um, um, well next week there's a game that uses the crank a lot in week two, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about next week. And I saw someone would turn the device where the crank down. down and they would turn it like a coffee grinder. Okay. Uh, I didn't well, ask that person if they're too. left-handed, but that would be a solution, I guess. Yeah. So does that mean the screen would be like rotated 90 degrees sideways? Yeah. Yes. Huh. <clears throat> Interesting. With the controls off to the left. But that's a good point, Nick. There isn't really a way to, to swap this one. There's no hole on the left side to pop it out. So I wonder if lefties had a difficult time with all the traditional com- controllers, like Game Boy, Nintendo, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah, like Genesis, whatever. I've heard that over the years. Yeah. Hmm. My wife and daughter are both left-handed. I'll have to have them try this out. They haven't seemed too interested in this. <laughs> I know your son, Ryan, is a also an expert uh, surfer, but... He's he's really taken to it. Yeah. I it, He had a very similar experience to me when I started, which was how in the world does this work? <laughs> like I, I felt like Nick for a less lesser period of time, but <laughs> it really took a concerted amount of effort to understand the mechanics of that crank and how they affected the board. And like you said, Don, there's a direct correlation of crank down, nose down, crank up, nose up. Um, but where I really got lost in that was the aerials. When you start spinning and then I'm like, oh God, where where am I? When do I stop? And then it was really strange trying to get it back to home or down position when I was ready to land and I would start screwing up landings a lot of the times until I started figuring out, oh, okay, watch the surfboard go up. And then as it crests and starts coming back down, pull your crank back down to home or down position. And then it gives your surfboard 
the allotted time to like spin back around to nose down and then land things appropriately. So mm -hmm. that was another thing I started figuring out eventually. We need to get Ryan on the wiki here. Have him put some pro tips there. The wiki's pretty thin. I really think <laughs> like that really that one tip, it means everything mm -hmm. really bringing that time to, to bring the, the crank down when you're up in the air cresting. I still, I still hit the bottom of the surf a lot, like the bottom of the screen, and then mm. it like calls you pee pee boy or whatever, and you lose a life. I don't know. It always has all. It has a lot of different call outs for you being bad yeah. and stuff. I've noticed awesome. <laughs> I discovered a bunch more today. I think maybe as you get further, it unlocks new um, insults. Did you? Did you actually have? A pee pee boy call out? I've never I seen that. So. I don't know. Okay. Those pee -pee I was, was, was going to say, I've had, very funny. <laughs> I've had all sorts of radly disparaging comments said to me, mm -hmm. but pee pee boy was not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't write them down. Bad, bad week one uh, prep work, I guess. Um, have So, Don, you haven't played California games? Uh, I played it a little bit at friends' houses and whatnot growing up, but I didn't. I didn't have a lot of connection with that game. Experience with that. Um, yeah. How about how about you, Ryan? I feel like I played some TNC surf design back in the day, but it wasn't enough of a staple of mine to remember it. I'd have to look it up. Uh, I only remember it because there was a a TNC surf design shop in my local town. <laughs> so you're like, whoa, man, it's on the Nintendo. Gotcha. Um, well, California games was ported. It's one of those, uh, computer games that was ported to like everything. So it was Commodore 64 and PCs and, um, the NES and a variety of other systems as well. So, um, it's, it's interesting. And I was just curious, uh, if any of the mechanics were shared in any way, um, or scoring or anything, uh, with whitewater wipeout, um, I, I would have to look deeper in, and play California games again <laughs> to know, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd be very interested to know um, how much of an influence that game was. I was thinking the same thing. I was really relying on your photographic memory, Nick, to see what sort of connections there might've been to either of those games. I don't remember them well enough. Again, I'd have to look them up and, and have not done so. I didn't realize they were, they were based so heavily off those games. A lot of the uh, pixel graphic games that are popular now serve like that or deserve um deliver that nostalgia of like oh this is like this game that i grew up with mm -hmm. but then when you go back to those games it's like oh this is nothing like this modern game <laughs> right that is an homage to this classic game mm -hmm. um and some this could be a, a possibility where this is a, a better or more serviceable version of surfing mm -hmm. than uh, california games was i i think this is if memory serves and it has been a long time but i think this is a much more simplified version where the mechanics are not nearly as complex uh, or inscrutable as they were um, in California games. So um, one of the things that I really like about uh, the games that have released so far here in this week one are the um, easy pickup and play mechanics and whitewater wipeout, I think is, is a great example of something that you can just pop in, play a couple rounds, lose really badly over and over again. <laughs> Uh, if you're me and then uh, put it down in frustration and pick it back up, you know, for another five minute session sometime later. Come on, so, Nick, you got to read my, my tip sheet. Yeah. <laughs> I have faith in you. 
one thing that was also difficult with this game is that we're all, all three of us are, have a big pinball background and mm-hmm. both Whitewater and Wipeout are both pinball machines. <laughs> so remembering <laughs> the title of this game was very difficult all week long. Oh, I'm glad it wasn't just me. I, I kept having to glance down at my play date to make sure I was saying the right thing. I, yeah, I kept wanting to call it other things, but, uh, it is a good, a good name probably without those points of reference. Um, nice I guess iteration. real quick, I want to just mention, uh, how much I like the title screen music. The actual surfing music mm-hmm. is a good surfing vibe, but the title screen music has like this, this indie rock kind of mellow vibe that uh, I really like. And I do like the, how different the two songs are. Maybe there's, I don't know, can you beat the game? Is there like Indian music too? Is there credit roll music? I, I can't know. imagine being able to beat the game. It seems like you just keep <laughs> shooting for higher and higher scores. Like there are yeah. people on the global leaderboard that far surpass me, you know, into the millions. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not even half that. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out how they're getting that high. Like I, I understand that there's a, a multiplier system here with the combos. But uh, even then, man, it's... Uh, it's hard to imagine getting that high. <laughs> Not that I won't try, but <laughs> well, you you mentioned something to us. I guess small spoiler for what happens with the wave the further you get. Yeah. So, uh, assuming you continue riding, uh, you cannot continue forever. There is a finite amount of wave, just like in real life. The wave dissipates the further away from the curl you get. So it continues for quite some time. I'd say maybe, I don't know, 60, 90 seconds, something like that. Um, But if you continue riding and riding and riding left, eventually the top of the wave starts to diminish and come down. So if you try to shoot a trick off the top, you're going to have less of a landing surface. You know how you have like X heights, or I guess it would be Y heights (laughs) to (laughs) land on that wave and sort of pull back up again so you don't run into the bottom. Uh, well, that starts to get lower and lower, and eventually you just cannot land anything. So uh, there is a finite round, uh, even if uh, you are good enough to keep going. So uh, even if you keep going, then the game can last probably max like three minutes, I would imagine. It's a nice short game. I kind of like that. Score as much as you can within this time limit. I like that speed run aspect. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm terrible, so it's easy for me to say. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, is there any any final thoughts before we get to the second game? Yes, I want to talk about artwork. Oh, yeah, yeah, go yeah. for it. The artist wants to talk art? <laughs> Just a little bit. There are some things that I, I super love about this. So, you know, this is very like Game Boy, LCD, Pixel type related artwork. And I think it's so interesting that the um the surfer is sort of mapped out in this it looks like it's maybe like a three-dimensional model that gets moved around because there's so many different positions it can achieve and that you can see it from and i'm so used to playing you know sprite games where there's only a pretty limited number of animated cells that pop up that you can see. Uh, So I thought that was really interesting. I also like how the surfboard artwork changes each round you do. Like sometimes it says Chuhai Labs and sometimes there's some sort of design on it. But 
you know, it's like this little Easter egg they threw in for, you know, like you're grabbing a different board each time. Um, and the other thing that I super love is the edge of the wave, the curl. There's like these, uh, you can tell they're, uh, uh, what do you call it? Instances of a particular piece of artwork, but basically where the wave starts curling and sort of falling down, uh, as you would like, you know, go inside the tube, there's these like lovely cascading instances of the water coming off that just looks so incredible. And it even cast this amazing shadow on the back of the wave. And I think it's so interesting because they're only working with pixels that are on or off. So it doesn't like change to another shade of gray. It's mm-hmm. like it reinterpolates a different pattern of off and on dots that make it look yeah. like there's this nice bit of dimension to it. The, so I wanted to uh, give props to whoever's doing the artwork at Chuhai Labs. I thought uh, you did a really amazing job. Um, and I also have another couple of things I want to touch on before we we move on, if you'll let me. <laughs> sure. sure. Uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to add to the art section? Uh, no. In general, the dithering uh, support that I've seen on the Playdate is really uh, exceptional, you know, for a, a 2D sprite-based d- device primarily. Um, that's that's what's providing that shadow effect and it, kind of that stippled uh, look. Um, so yeah, I, I, might, I might give you an actually on that one. Yeah, um, that's fine. So- <laughs> I, I hate to be that guy, but it looks like a lot of pattern dithering, which is like an easier way to remember dithering. And I wish there were more like noise dithering or random dithering so that it you couldn't quite see the banding that was going on between mm-hmm. the the uh, levels of gradient that they're trying to achieve. Yeah. But, you know, that's a, a small minor nitpick. Um, so anyway, the other couple things I wanted to mention is that there are a couple of animals in this game. Have you guys seen them? <laughs> no. I don't think so, no. Oh, I, I have seen a fish. A shark? Maybe it was a shark. Was there a fin sticking out of the water and it was there black? Was something. <laughs> it, I wasn't paying much attention to it. Okay. So uh, another one of the instructions will alert you to the shark, which I believe if you run into, it'll wipe you out. I haven't hit it yet, but uh, I, I have. want to try that at some point. <laughs> have you? What, what's it do? Uh, well, I died, but I mean, that's not unusual. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You don't die in any unusual way, huh? Not that I noticed. Okay. And the second animal, which is also referenced in one of the tips at the end of the games, um, is the bird. And the instruction mm. says try to touch the bird. And for a long time, I was like, what bird? Where's the bird? And so when you're really catching some air and you're up in the sky, occasionally you will see a bird. And if you time your uh, jumps in a very lucky way, because it's not like you can see the bird before you jump to really aim for it. Occasionally you can, I'm trying to remember what the instruction says. It's like, give the bird a high five or something. But basically if you touch the bird, I believe that there's some extra points associated with it. Usually when I'm that high in the air and cranking the thing so fast, I'm, you know, so hopped up on adrenaline. I can't see what my score is doing, but I think that it gives you some sort of reward for high-fiving the bird. But anyway, 
those are the last couple things I wanted to mention about it that I thought were fun little Easter eggs. I did see that tip. I think it, it does say high five the bird, something to that effect. Yeah. I want to see well, the shark though. Now all this Down at uh, the bottom near, yeah. near the bottom of the wave. That's where I hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Scattered on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, all this bird talk though has me excited to talk about mm. a different game. I um, like that transition. Yeah, nice work. Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the second game uh, is casual birder. And Don, do you know who the developer was for this one? Oh, I had that pulled up, but I don't have it right now. Let me let me hop back over there. Uh, it, his name is Diego Garcia Maxo. That's it. Okay. And I looked up, I had his Twitter up here. Let me see if I can find it again. He had worked With music on... music and uh, sound by Max Corbin, Co- Coburn. Okay. I looked up... Uh, Diego's Twitter account. I didn't find like a website for him, but he worked on a game called Damaged in Transit and a game called Dear Reader, which I, I used to talk about on our on Gaming on Ten, which mm-hmm. was a really cool Apple Arcade game um, for iOS devices. Anyway, tell us more about Casual Birder. Casual Birder is uh, like a mix of a Pokemon style uh, light. RPG slash adventure game with uh, Pokemon Snap, where you're taking pictures. <laughs> um, so it's it's all the Pokemons mixed together, uh, but without the combat aspect. Um, so it functions sort of similarly to a point-and-click adventure. And uh, for those who know me, uh, I, I try to conflate everything with point-and-click adventure games, so this will not uh, be any surprise. But um, you start off in, in a town and uh you're you're called uh a casual birder by some local tough bird watching gang so um you have to prove yourself sort of by <laughs> wandering around and taking pictures of birds but uh one of my favorite aspects of this game um is the names that they give to the birds so as you <laughs> As you take pictures of the birds in the game, it will give you little bird facts about them, but they're totally wrong or made up. Uh, It's hilarious and um, it's a lot of fun. There's uh, something like 26 different birds that you can take pictures of within the game. Mm -hmm. Um, You can complete the game without taking photos of all 26, Um, but uh, there's usually a fun little reward, like I mentioned for, uh, taking photos of the birds. So, um, I, I really enjoyed this game of the two. This, this was my preferred, um, go to over the past week. Yeah. I've, I found that I'm not smart enough to get too far on this. This was definitely a Nick game. Um, point and click seemed to be a good combination because it it seems like while you are taking pictures of birds, that's only a small section of it. Um, whereas Pokemon Snap, you're, the main focus is snapping pictures of the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. This was more like you're getting combinations of pictures and collecting the pictures was sort of like collecting items in a point and click. And then yeah. it's what you do with those pictures that kind of unlocks new dialogue and new, new story and uh, new options in the game. And, and I, I found some of those combinations difficult to, to uh, put together. There are also items to pick up and mm-hmm. allow you to interact with with different uh, people or birds in different ways. So, um, it's 
there's a, a lot more going on than there seems at first. Um, so Ryan, can I just take a second to say that this has got to be the best theme of a video game I have ever heard of <laughs> in my life. It is so quirky and fantastic. And the execution does not disappoint. I mean, there's so many fun, silly uh, lines of dialogue and description that just totally bring this game to life. I mean, in addition to the names of the birds, Nick was talking about, like I I took a a picture with a bird at one point and it labeled it selfie with strutting junk bird. (laughs) (laughs) And of course it's a pigeon. (laughs) Oh, and, and I love the fact that there's a, a rival birding gang. <laughs> I, I mean, Diego, uh, chef's kiss. This is incredible. I mean, I think they launched with two very, very strong games. I, I really fancied both of them. And while I have not progressed very far in casual birder, I think I think Nick is to casual birder what Ryan is to whitewater wipeout. Like Nick's... <laughs> Nick's had his way with this game, and uh, I can't wait to uh, continue on further in it. So, so Don, uh, how how far did you get into this game? Um, I felt like I was stuck for a long time, and there was just a real easy path that I just I didn't notice. And so uh, I recently found that path, which unlocked a lot more area. There's a lot more to the initial starting area than I realized. There's mm-hmm. basically two pillars you can walk between that I just ignored i missed the same thing okay. for a long time so that leads to a mountain and a beach and all kinds of different areas uh-huh. um so i think a mistake i made was i made the coffee shop owner really upset and i can't go back <laughs> in there <laughs> um, but i think i need the item from the coffee shop and i don't know if i'm like stuck now or would would you like a hint maybe off air so we don't spoil it good idea okay okay but I think the um, coffee cup is my, is the key to getting further in the game. Well, possibly um, getting that coffee filled with getting that cup filled with coffee. I think has something to do with something. I can get a I can get worms and I can get a a, a popsicle made out of butter. Have you? But but looking at one of the pictures <laughs> on the official Playdate site, it looks like you can carry six items at once. I have only you ever had can carry a ton of four. stuff. Yeah. Okay. There are items all over the place. Um, okay, cool. And the use of the crank in the game, there's a few different uses that it has, but one of them is cycling between items in your inventory, mm-hmm. um, which really messes you up if you swap between different games and go back to it later, if you forget the use of the crank to do that. There was a, um, hmm. a while, probably the second or third time that I played it, where um, I couldn't figure out how to change items. <laughs> I didn't notice the inventory in the upper left. That so, really took me a while to figure yeah. out. It, I, I I saw those things up there, and I could not, for the life of me, figure out what to do what with is them. That? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe this crank that's built in. Maybe I should try that. Which which brings up a question I had. Maybe you guys know: Is there like an official instruction booklet for any of these games, or are they just assuming they're easy enough that you're going to figure it out at some point? I don't think there's an instruction book. There, there was talk in the Discord on like it would be nice if when the games launched there was some basic instructions that kind of came yeah. with them on the site. Even just a, a little PDF or something you could download if you wanted to. Yeah. Even on the uh, wiki, um, Whitewater Wipeout's the only one that even has any information. 
So just people got to add stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And that's an interesting uh, kind of uh, divergence from like uh, itch.io, one of the storefronts that, that sells Playdate games. Um, a lot of those games do have control information uh, built into the storefront. So you can read a description of the game as well as, you know, how to control it. Um, so that's interesting. That might be something that comes with time. Um, we'll have to see. So just as a an odd parallel, uh, I started playing Final Fantasy on the Game Boy, and there's a number of different mechanics in there. And so I looked up the instruction booklet, which to my surprise is like 80 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I started reading through it, and I, I thought I, I kind of had a handle on it, but there were definitely a number of things in the instruction booklet that I hadn't figured out yet. And it was really great to have that. Um, you know, the print nerd in me wants to go buy an 80 page Game Boy instruction booklet now. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it just got me thinking, man, it would be really nice to have uh, uh, some sort of documentation, even if only in digital form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might, might happen one day. Um, but uh, well, you mentioned the the humor of the game and and uh, you know some of the fun of, of taking pictures. One thing that we kind of mentioned but but breezed over a bit is that each picture that you take um, is labeled within uh, your your group of photos. If you imagine like a a pile of ten different uh, Polaroids, that's basically what you have to sort through. Um, and you can take some and immortalize them in this book of birds. <laughs> <laughs> mm, um, I haven't got there yet. Oh, you have it starting out. <laughs> um, it's one of the uh, the options when you go and look at your photos is put it in a photo book. It's, uh, like a di- it's called a diary, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Um, oh, okay. And so you're what you're supposed to do is take a photo of each bird and then put it in this diary, and so you have kind of one one photo of each but it, it labels each of them in an interesting way and uh the crank is also used to focus your camera which is interesting mm-hmm. because uh you are taking photos with a cell phone uh normally not something <laughs> that uh requires manual focus but um it's it's an interesting mechanic and especially uh there are different birds with different characteristics like some move faster than others or um, some might only be visible um, at certain times uh, while you're playing. So it requires different uh, different uses of that mechanic with the crank, well, which is pretty cool. Well, can I ask, with the birds that move faster, are you supposed to just be really fast on the trigger sometimes? Um, well, would you like an answer to that? <laughs> Yeah, the well, there's one bird that like is is real fast, and I think yeah. maybe I could kind of catch it, but there's a lot of me waiting and just missing it a bunch. So I assume there's something to help with that. The the answer is you're wrong. You can't you can't do it. Okay, that's, that's helpful. I'll stop wasting my time. <laughs> um, come back to it later. It'll, okay, it'll become apparent. That's that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe I'm missing something. I'll. That's I'll the other nice thing about this uh, this game. I will say that some of the solutions to puzzles are not super intuitive. Um, it does require a bit of thinking. Uh, I'm 
I, I really love point and click games. And so um, that's something that I pay a lot of attention to is the design of the puzzles and whether or not it's something that I can kind of breeze through and, and oh, this all makes perfect sense. Or if it's something where um, it takes a lot of thinking or, you know, if it's something where I can go to a different screen, solve a different puzzle, come back and then I'll have a solution. This is kind of uh, the, the last uh, iteration there where usually if there's something I can't figure out in it, I'll just go and try to solve a different puzzle. And thankfully there's um, about 26 of them. So there's, there's a lot of different stuff that you can do, um, even if it seems like you're totally stuck at the moment. So are you labeling each bird a puzzle? Yeah. Um, okay. And then there's interactions with uh, NPCs. Those are all puzzles too. Hmm. Um, so there's more than 26 total, but, um, but yeah. That's interesting. And okay. There's only a few environmental puzzles, like traversing an environment, uh, but there's a couple of those too. Those, those are less difficult, um, which is good. There's not any mazes that are there just to increase the length of the game. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, I, the first week I was a little gun shy because people were, were reporting a lot of crash reports, mm -hmm. but he did post, he did push a, a patch to the game pretty quick that I mm -hmm. think took care of a lot of those. Yeah. It's interesting. I have not had um, any crashes in any of the official games yet. I have had a lot of crashes on mine. I've mainly been playing Whitewater Wipeout. I keep forgetting that name. Um, and I'll usually have like three, four, five, six sometimes per day. It, it mm -hmm. depends. It, it's almost like when it starts to crash, it'll continue crashing a few times within a relatively short period of time. But then once it gets it out of its system, then it's kind of stable again. It's very strange. The It would be more of a bummer if the reset was not so efficient. So yeah. I, I like that even when it crashes, it's like, uh-oh, press A. Okay, here you are again. Just, you know, start it up. It's it's very fast. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate that about the crash if there is anything to appreciate about a crash no that's that's a good thing do you have you taken any steps to reset your play date or no i i do not know how to do that uh you can there's a reset in the settings or there's a another reset underneath the crank in the little slot there's a hole and you can put a, a paper clip in there hmm and then finally there's a, a factory reset which you probably don't want to do That'll, that'll delete your scores and whatnot, but you can do the paperclip one safely. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I see that in the crank slot now. Very cool. And I think I noticed there was a number in the crank slot. I don't know if that's a serial number. So maybe we can compare numbers afterwards. I think that might be. Hmm. I've never noticed that. <clears throat> I didn't notice it till last night when I needed the paperclip. <laughs> so. um, one thing I wanted to mention about, Casual Birder is I love the uh, art style and I found myself yeah. kind of more drawn to that game because I wanted to look at this and that. There are some areas where the screen is the screen is larger than a Game Boy screen despite what people remember. Um, but it is still small and some of the detail is so fine that I'm wondering if there's more going on in this corner or that corner. But in my experience so far anyway, there isn't stuff hiding in the corners. Um, 
but maybe I need to dig deeper is what Nick will tell me after the show. <laughs> but some of the uh, text, some of the text is real small. And I noticed it the is. past year, I finally hit that point where I used to make fun of my dad, where he had to start holding stuff further away from his face to read it. And that's me. I have to start holding stuff further away to read it in my forties. And so not ideal. I wish some of the text was a little bit larger or there was a way to scale it up, but yeah. Speaking of the artwork, while I also appreciate it and think that it's very fun and I want to look at it too, I think that there is um, sort of a, a sort of a nascent beginner uh, artist approach to the art and play date because it's almost like they're using single pixel lines everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I really want to see artists start using like thicker outlines on the characters and thinner interior details. So you can mm-hmm. really start like, you know, uh, uniting a subject and understanding it as a whole, rather than like everything is this super, super, super thin line. When it was a Game Boy resolution, it didn't really matter because those dots were so thick. But now that right. you have this really high resolution, man, those lines get real, real thin. And uh, I, I look forward to artists using multiple thicknesses of line in future games. Yeah, especially in a one pixel font family. <laughs> font right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's common, Ryan. Tough. It's common. Have you seen uh, Waste Braver, for example? Is that a Playdate game? It's a Playdate game. It's, it's an indie. No. But I'll show you some. I'll send you some links or post them in the show notes. There's some pretty advanced stuff that'll be coming eventually cool and this is no knock on casual birder i feel like if this game was on xbox it would look the same mm-hmm. i feel like this is an aesthetic choice and i i like it for what it is but i i do appreciate what you're saying yeah and <laughs> a lot like of the so- games that are out right now are so really fine detailed yeah yeah and like i said i i do not want to knock casual birder either i think it is a brilliantly themed and executed game and i can't wait to get further into it well speaking of uh is there anything else we want to say about this we wanted to talk about a couple indies but we went real long on uh whitewater which is fine <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> well why don't why don't we uh jump into um ranking the season 1 games that's How's a great that idea we, we would like to keep a running tally of our season one games. So each mm. week we will slot them in here. So there's only two. So there's not a whole lot we can do this week. But I would like to uh, I would like to slot my number one game as Casual Birder. You know, I would like to do the same, Don. That leaves Whitewater in the number two slot. Yeah. And Ryan, you don't get a choice. Unless you want to come back every week. I, mean, I figured I figured that was probably the case. The seat's always if, warm for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to hearing your commentary moving forward and okay. uh, maybe rejoining you at some point. I, I, I assume Just, your, your picks would be opposite. You know, this is so difficult because it's such an apples and oranges situation. They're so yes. wildly different from one another. I love Whitewater whatever because of the quick and easy gameplay that i can just sit down for a minute or two literally and and get a quick Mm -hmm. game in but uh casual birder it's got that nice rpg feel to it that has like a little longer legs to it Uh, i don't know i I have certainly been playing more whitewater wipeout um 
but I'd, so I'd probably give that one the edge for me personally. But once I get into casual burger, I'd, I might swing your way. Lists. Look, we look all love lists. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they are so different. They're good uh, picks. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So um, indie games of the week. There's yes. lots of games on itch. There's a couple dozen now. And hopefully mm-hmm. those just keep rolling up and piling up. So Nick and I both picked a game to highlight. Uh, the game I chose is called Yoshimi Yahtzee. Tell me about Yoshimi Yahtzee. So on itch.io, itch. Oh, well, that came out so fast. I had to, I blew right past it. Itch.io. <laughs> uh, you can pick up Yoshimi Yahtzee. Uh, you name your own price. So it could be free. It could be $10, whatever you want to do. Um, it's just a real simple Yahtzee game, but really polished. I love the Yoshimi logo. Uh, he seemed, or he or they, I'm not sure who Yoshimi is, but they are on the discord. They just, uh, have these real simple, straightforward games that just do what they need to do. And I loved having one of those handheld LCD Yahtzee games. Mm -hmm. I used to visit my, um, wife's grandparents and they lived in, rural ohio there's nothing to do then we'd sit on the porch for hours and they have these little battery powered yahtzee games and i would just play that all we all week basically and this basically replicates that so uh real simple perfect gameplay you're taking me back don i had one of those travel yahtzee sets where you could like roll the dice around inside this plastic housing and if you wanted Mm -hmm. to keep whatever you got you like thump this little thing up on the bottom which kept it in place uh yeah what a cool cool. game um so as as somebody who is uh technologically inept how do i go about downloading a game that does not appear on my playdate automatically dude it's so easy it's incredible what they came up with for this because there are multiple ways to load games on there if you're developing a game through either their sdk or their pulp uh, kind of Mario Paint-esque system. Um, you can plug your plated up via USB and then load it up that way. Or uh, they offer this really awesome Wi-Fi side-loading capability where you download a zip file and then you upload it to your Playdate account. So you go to play.date, sign in, and there's a link to sideload. And it attaches to the system that is linked to your account. And then it will show up just like an official Playdate game in the list after a period of time automatically. Very Um, cool. Or you can trigger an instant download to your Playdate um, in the system menu. But Mm -hmm. it's it's really slick. And uh, I'm just incredibly impressed with that. Uh, and the fact that it is so open for things like that. Pretty neat. So itch.io is, uh, at the moment, the premier marketplace for uh, third-party developed Playdate games. Um, and there's a variety of different pricing structures, and each game can set their own. Some are free. Some, as Don mentioned uh, with Yoshimi Yatsi, are pay what you will. And then uh, the game that I would like to talk about, um, which is Bloom. Um, I'm still in the midst of playing this game. I haven't finished it yet, but it is a beautiful, wonderful game. It is uh, perhaps my favorite Playdate game so far that I've played. Um, 
this appeals to the pleasure centers in Nick's brain directly. Um, they, <laughs> that sounds about right. Hit, hit those uh, just right. <clears throat> but uh, essentially, you are a um, uh, college uh, dropout, apparently, who decided to start a flower shop. And you're doing it uh, in a space that you rent, like a like an apartment. So you have rooftop access and you're you're starting a garden and essentially taking the proceeds from that and selling them and uh, repeat ad infinitum. So it's uh, a bit of a farming sim, like think Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon, but very, very light mechanics. There's planting, there's watering, and there's digging. Um, but there is so much game outside of that. There's a whole social simulation aspect uh, that's based on the real-time clock in your game, very loosely based. It's not, uh, it is not Animal Crossing um, where, um, you know, certain things only happen at 7 a.m. or whatever. Um, it will allow you to put it down and pick it up later on, and then those events will be stacked up. And the mechanic that it uses for that is text messages. So all of the social simulation stuff is like text messages, which are in your phone that you can access at any time, um, and the conversations and uh, misspellings and and other um, <laughs> choices that you make are just perfect. It's it's incredible the the way this is written. Um, I, I've really really enjoyed um, playing around with it. And if you think that's all, there's more. Um, there's a <laughs> your cell phone has the ability to check the weather. And that is based on the weather in your location. So if it's raining outside, it's raining in the game. And that Are you impacts, serious? Yes. Wow. And that, in, that impacts how uh, your stuff grows. Yeah, that so, sucks. Yeah, sorry. I live in a um, desert. <laughs> you just said like, stuff grows faster when it rains. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, what do you mean? Basically, you don't have to water it. So it only shaves off a little bit of, okay. of interaction there. Don't worry about it too much. It is supposed mm-hmm. to rain all week, though, this week, Don, so you could always come visit. Um, <laughs> so uh, your cell phone also has an Asteroids game, which is Don's favorite classic arcade That's game. That's what brought up the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I wondered about that. Um, so uh, that's been really fun. And there's a person who will text you as you... Um, start improving your score and they try to like mansplain <laughs> 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 how to do better. Um, and it's, it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a whole, just there are layers and layers of interaction here. Um, like gotcha between mechanic. Your, your parents, there's a gotcha mechanic once a day, you can open up this gotcha machine and then crank and it will spit out something random. There's 30 different items. The game is meant to be played over a one-month period, so that's why there's 30 items. Each day you can crank a new one. Um, Very, just extremely impressive and such a large scale of a game. Um, So this game is $9.99 on itch.io. It is the most expensive game with a fixed price on itch.io currently. but I will say it is well worth the price if you like this kind of game. Um, if you don't, if this sounds a, like a slow-moving kind of uh, thing, it might not be for you. But uh, I will say it is it is right up my alley, and I would encourage anybody uh, with a spare $9.99 to give it a try. 
it, it feels like a big boy game. I mean, it feels like a full fledged game. It, ten dollars mm-hmm. doesn't. It feels well worth ten dollars. I agree. Yeah. And it's got a <clears throat> lo-fi hip hop soundtrack, which is excellent. <laughs> um, yeah. Might you say chill hop? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it's very good. My my only knock is that you can't use your phone on the roof, can you? No, but I mean, you got to go back hang- down. You got to go. You got to use the crank, I guess. You got to crank yourself back yeah. down to your apartment to take <laughs> you, your phone out. You crank uh, the elevator manually. No, yeah, <laughs> to get up to the roof. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I once I dig out my my plants, I want to buy some seeds. I'm like, oh, I got to go back downstairs to order more seeds. Yeah, yeah but then there might fine. be interactions uh, with your parents, you know, telling you that you're not doing things correctly in <laughs> <Well>, your life. <laughs> typo riddled text from my parents. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a very cool game. Well worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's great. Good good launch game. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely my indie of the week. You went for the big guns right away. Yeah, well, it's the one I've been spending a lot of time with the most time. So it's it's been a lot of fun. I do like the the texting means you can just just like real life. If somebody texts you and you don't want to read it, you just kinda of leave, leave them on read and mm-hmm. I'll come back to it later. You can it has a save game feature. In the menu, yep. which I'd like to see. I guess I don't have a problem with casual birder. It seems to save wherever I want anyway. This this saves automatically as well for the most part. Okay. Um, I've never had a situation. There's been a few times where I've forgotten to hit the save and it hasn't. It's brought me right back to where I was. So. Okay, cool. I think that's just a fail safe. Nice. Or maybe a feel good. I'm not sure. <laughs> cool. Good pick. Well, that's our that's our week, I think. I believe right? so. Yeah. I think uh, our, our regular routine, maybe we would talk news first and not have a special guest, so we wouldn't have a professional surfer on, on board to uh, <laughs> go deep on a game, but we were really happy to have you, Ryan, this week. Thank you yeah. so much for teaching us the ways of the whitewater wipeout. I am glad to be your native Californian who has never surfed in his life. And this has been a pleasure as always. I uh, hope I can bother you guys again at some point. I hope so too. Thanks for artistically carving those waves. (laughs) Well, Well, great show guys. I can't wait to hear more from you. I've had a lot more fun with whitewater since Ryan stepped in. Definitely. (laughs) So we appreciate you very much. And, uh, Thanks for joining us on this first episode. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have some casual birder questions for you before too long. <laughs> Please do. I would love nothing more than to talk casual birder tips all yeah. day long. So, uh, Listeners, thank you for joining us. You're welcome to uh, email us, helloplaydatepodcast at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter, hellopdpodcast, Instagram, helloplaydate, website, playdatepodcast.com. There'll be a link to our Discord in the show notes. And... I'll leave out the bingo tip line for now, right? That's a little that's a little <laughs> deep deep into the w- weeds, right? That's advanced but, uh, hello play date. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. But we'll have all of those links that I just mentioned, all of our socials in the uh, show notes. So please join us and we would love to hear more from the uh, play date community as we uh, start this adventure. So Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Best of luck guys. Thanks Ryan. Thanks Ryan. Thanks Nick. Thank you. <laughs>